Thank you for listening to the Old English D podcast. New episodes are live the first Tuesday of every month during this offseason, so make sure to subscribe, follow, and leave a rating to keep up with the podcast. Go Tigers, guys! What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Casey, as always, joined by Josh. We are not dead. We are we are, we have resurrected. Um, we 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 are not MIA any longer. Josh. Uh, technical difficulties aside, I think this is trial number three of trying to report record this pod. But uh, how are you doing, my friend? I am a lot better now that my software is not behaving all on its own so far dude when things crash and burn they just they crash and burn kind of hard huh it's it has not been a pleasant last week of attempting to troubleshoot but we're here and and uh, you know you know what's funny like we haven't had issues really i mean like we even like in the midst of like changing things we've changed how we record things sometimes we change how we do like and really throughout all of that kind of been seamless and so every time we're like you know knock on wood you know and 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 it came when we least expected it it really did but i mean i feel like you know when you don't it's it's like when you when you don't start your car for like three weeks time or something and you kind of get worried about it especially in in a place like michigan where it's Mm -hmm. like "Mm, in the winter it's not good you want to you want to start the car and so when we take the weeks off when we only record once every month it's like we're not starting the car we're not starting the engine but you know battery dead well and a hot tip for anybody out there who uses mac products uh probably update that more than six no the system softwares no yeah no i mean (laughs) tim cook really wants me to but i just don't you know and that that's (laughs) the thing like i appreciate all the bells and whistles but you know, I, I update my phone software when I need to, when I want to. I know sometimes there's like security like issues and, and, and things are like, you should really update your software because there's like a leak. And it's like, yeah, but this is just so much easier to not, you know? Well, it's know. It, breaking your your recording software, then that's probably a signal that's probably a good time to go for it. But uh, happy New Year to! All yeah, I was gonna the... say the last time we were the last time we recorded was last year, which I mean to be fair that was that was planned that that's how that was gonna be. But I mean we we're I don't know we're about a week week and a half late on this one, which you know I, the the December one came out a week late. I mean it's the off season you can cut us some slack, but we we there is some level of like we are in the dog days of December or sorry the dog days of the. Uh, the off season rather and it's getting to the point where it's like we're so close we i see the light at the end of the tunnel we see pitchers and catchers reporting but we're just not there yet and it's like man that will be off seasons long now also before the pod the before before you know this recording um the lions are nfc north champs what do we think about that that's a big deal. 
Yeah, it's a it's a big weekend. It's been a big week so far in you know Michigan, state of Michigan. Oh, see, I was I was gonna have it have its own moment. Okay, all right, you're gonna go right into well, it. Well, I mean, it goes with kind of you know this this week, Lions first home playoff game, and you know who knows how long. And uh, we, we, we aren't a football podcast, nor are we a basketball podcast. We won't even get into that. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not, I, won't, I won't do the thing that I could do, and I could wax poetic for the next 30 minutes on the University of Michigan Wolverines like, like I really could. But the feeling of a major team that I support winning a championship in my lifetime, I was not prepared for the for the feeling it was it was something man i tell you what you, you can tell me were there were there tears shed when when michigan hoisted the trophy uh no no tears it was close it was emotional it was yeah i'm very glad that the last minutes were not as emotional and uh nerve-wracking as the alabama game because i don't know if my heart could have handled that again last time I wondered about my my health and well-being but no dude it's and even you you texted me and you're like how just imagine like the Tigers winning the World Series how that will feel and I it's I I don't know how my heart will handle that either but here we are we're gonna we're gonna find (laughs) out here pretty soon right cut to Josh he's just having cardiac arrest is in the emergency rooms with the tigers like hey like, isn't this cool the tiger just won the pennant no well actually he's having a heart attack it's okay he's in the hospital but he's wearing his cool tigers championship exactly hat. yeah he has the detroit shirt that you know join us or we will eat you or whatever hinge said again um i have that shirt and actually and you know funny enough i'm looking down now i'm wearing that shirt and i can't i can't just read the shirt upside down but read the shirt yeah i can't read it upside down since it's not very easy to read but um yeah no i i i got to watch the game with uh non-michigan fan in fact uh when my mother uh who is the non-michigan fan she's a state fan and so like that's always been part of her family or whatever and so she's the type of fan that holds that allegiance Mm -hmm. even even deeper and she just can't root for Michigan. And, and so, like, I've had this conversation with a couple people since Michigan won or even since they were, like, in the final game. Like, I don't care. I don't have any allegiance to really any of these teams. But the fact that just the state of Michigan is represented purely is cool. And so you go to, a, like, a, a, a place like Houston, and and you're you're in the center stage, you're in the spotlight, like whatever. I think that's that's cool. Isn't that just cool for Michigan? But then you relate it back to baseball, and it's like you think of something like South Side, North Side, Cubs, White Sox. I don't think any White Sox fan is excited about Cubs winning the World Series or like and you know, I and like that's its own kind of crazy thing because of you know the the curse or whatever. But like I, I try to put myself in that example and it's like <sighs> I don't think I would root for the team. Like I understand where my mom is coming from, but it's also just like a sport that I, I really don't have a lot of emotional connection to. So I'm willing to let aside or, or, you know, put aside my differences and say, you know, this is cool. And I just have so many friends that are like 
so emotionally tied to to that team in particular and, and that that school in particular and they they have put so many hours they 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 talk about Michigan football and Michigan sports um like it we talk about the Tigers and and ironically enough you're one of those people too where you just kind of have that coming from both fronts so it's got to be a, it's got to be a cool feeling uh congrats to to them congrats to JJ McCarthy wherever you are Oh, wherever you are sitting and doing your little, uh, you know, he does the, he's, you know, he's got I, some incense the, burning wherever he is. That's for sure. well, right. But what's what he meditates. That's where I'm looking for. He he's meditating somewhere. Um, and he, he's doing his thing. He's very excited about that, but congrats to them. That was cool. We of course, yeah, have the lions game this weekend. Real quick. Do you think they have a chance? I know it's the Rams. We've got the whole Stafford situation. Uh, we can inch this one out. What do we think? It'll be a close game. It'll be a good. It should be the game of the weekend, all things considered. Ooh, that's fun. Not, not only for okay. the storyline, but even football wise, I think it should be a good, a good. Uh, yeah, are they? Are they? You're you're way more in the football circles than than I. Are they hyping up that story? Is that like a big deal? It's Stafford's, and obviously the Lions are home, and so like, is that like a big part of? Yeah, the- there's a whole. I mean, there's that side of it, and so. I have not looked into it to hear whether this is an actual true fact, so don't mind me if I'm spreading misinformation on this, but there's a rumor that somebody was saying that somebody's going to institute a Stafford Lions jersey ban at the stadium or, or something. <laughs> like when we say when we say somebody, does that mean like someone high up who actually has control of that or or like I just someone random? That it was like they're, Dan they're Campbell, gonna... but also <laughs> I don't know, so don't no take that way. for uh, – that's crazy truth. yeah that there's no way that i mean he's he's probably not the most pr centric <laughs> person or pr savvy person ever but i don't think he'd say that so there's that side of it but also you have to think about the other side jared goff got traded from the rams they were the rams gave up on him and that's true and that's a great moved point. on to somebody else so uh, the lions side of it is very much the jared goff revenge game of they gave up on me and now i'm gonna beat him in the playoffs so I mean, it, it from both sides. It should be it should be a well hyped up game until kickoff. I want to see him win, dude. And like, yeah, I, I have I have done the bandwagon thing. I'm I'm all in on it. I'm excited about it. It's cool. I still still think there are many faults with the sport of football. I understand why people love it. Whatever. I'm all in. I'm I'm excited for this weekend. I kind of hate that we're the eight o'clock game. Kind of late. These games go on for a long time. They, they, you know, they love their commercial breaks. Um, but it should, it should be a good time. I, I hope we inch it out. That's no one, prediction as to, as to what happens. But that's one thing I think we can count our blessings on for, uh, for baseball. You pretty much know exactly what you're getting, and it's pretty abbreviated, uh, commercial break wise in baseball. You know, you're gonna get your two minutes between innings, and you know, pitching change, and I mean, that's about it, right? Like, there's not a whole lot of of ads and commercial breaks in baseball. So, yeah, and you you hope that would like never change with like I know there's like a bunch of conversations with ending blackouts and MLB taking over broadcasting a lot of things, and you hope that like ad revenue wouldn't play a big role into that. But because there's so many RSNs right now, and like they pay so much money to the teams, like the ads are kind of and and who really cares about it? Minus like outside the playoffs, who really cares like what? ads are broadcasting on a baseball game you know there's 162 of them times 30 right and so like who who really cares 
you know what they're not they're not very lucrative ad spots and so like i i do think that like they're able to keep really nice and short because they're just local and it really doesn't affect anything but then when you enlarge it to the national level i understand why there has to be so many commercials and i understand why on fox it's it's a big it's a big deal but it's like come on guys like what are we doing wait i actually it's funny you say that because i i for the first time and i don't know if they always keep him on a frame but i've just never seen him before and again i don't watch a whole lot of football but at the Michigan game, I saw for the first time the guy who holds the the clock on the field, mm, like it's mm-hmm. a timer. <laughs> How long they've been doing that? <laughs> that I don't know. But there's always a guy, and you probably will see him more now that I mention this. But there's always a guy on the sideline, on the home team sideline. He's wearing neon orange, neon orange like big looks like oven mitt gloves, and he's the guy that is telling. He's getting word from whoever with with the broadcast and he's telling the refs you know hey we have to go to a a media timeout right now or hey Mm -hmm. now you can go and start play and he's like the controller on the field i I learned that when i went to a lions game a few few years ago but that's that's a that's a every game occurrence Hmm. one thing i've always wondered about too and i always wonder it uh specifically when super bowl comes around but like there's always that that stat that comes out, like how much those ad spots cost just for like those 30 second spots or whatever. What I always am curious about is like, which one's the most expensive one? I know probably right around halftime or like right post halftime, right before halftime that that kind of interim spot is probably the most expensive. But my thing is like, they never know how exactly long the game's going to go. So like, are those like the ones at the back and like towards the end of the game, are those like a little bit cheaper they're probably not much cheaper but like they like because like who even knows if your commercial is going to get shown like i don't i don't even know and 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 to that point like i don't know that the super bowl commercials have been that great the last few years or whatever but i've always wondered that like how do they time this out or is it just that it's all just scripted and that that's a whole other theory <laughs> <laughs> that is for probably a different podcast that well. is not a detroit tigers podcast but <laughs> it could just all be scripted because it's like how how are we getting this down how, how does everyone get their 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 piece of the pie I don't know. I'm, I just, I'm I no know. marketing guy, but I know for sure Super Bowl commercials are not what they used to be. It's kind of disappointing. The GOAT. One of the GOATs, but I'd say I'd even be willing to say the GOAT. Um, outside of any like trailers or whatever, was always the the Darth Vader, the kid Darth Vader one. I forget. Was that like a Doritos or something where the kid like, I don't even know. That sounds right. Do you remember which one I'm talking about? I think so. It's it's ringing a bell somewhere. He's dressed, yeah, he's dressed up as Darth Vader. He does the cute force thing. It's just, it's adorable. It's just adorable. And whoever did that spot, they did great. Um, Yes, no, this is, of course, the old English D where we talk about the Detroit Tigers. Uh, You can find us on all of your podcast listening services. You can find us on the socials at Old English Pod. And we have some things to talk about this week. Not too crazy, though. Um, you were correct that there were moves that were going to be made. Um, however, Scott did not uh, did not do any of the trades. He's not he's not doing any of the trading at all, actually. So we're still just kind of working with what we had. But we did add a couple players. We did find out some things about what spring training is going to look like, and specifically maybe some cool additions to spring training, and then randomly out of the blue we uh <laughs> like last month i think during uh 
like early December, but it was like right after we recorded, uh, new rules randomly just kind of popped, popped out of nowhere. And that's the new world in the MLB is that that's, that's the life we live in. And oh yeah, the Dodgers, uh, spent a billion dollars on two players. All right. Jack Flaherty is a Detroit Tiger. Holy cow. I remember Josh. I remember. And I think we were live for this. I don't, but there's, you know, it's just gets weird in all of the timelines. We were talking about Jack Flaherty as a potential, and we had like an offhanded kind of exchange about it where I I said like, oh, Jack Flaherty would be kind of a good pickup. And then you were like, ah, dude, he's going to command so much money and and such a big contract, like a three-year deal or whatever. The Tigers are just not, that's not where they're going to go for. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're, you're probably right. But then like, I was like, you know, what if? What and 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 it kind of all just made sense, you know. And so yeah, sure enough, Jack Flaherty, one year, fourteen million. Dude is betting on himself very much. So you assume that you were right. He probably had multi-year offers from other teams, exactly like you said. But they probably weren't for the dollar amount that he was looking for. And there's no secret here. And I think the Tigers are well aware of that. And they were probably totally okay with that. That hey, you're gonna come here. You're gonna bet on yourself. We're gonna pay you kind of a premium to, to come to the Motor City, and we're going to try to fix you. And throughout all of the now numerous interviews that he's done across a couple different uh, um, outlets, his whole thing was like the transparency of this club and what they told me during our meetings from the get-go was so cool. Like I just – I love that they're going to these guys and just saying, hey, like we're not going to give you every secret – We're not going to tell you exactly what you need to fix in this conversation because we want you in, but you need to fix some things and we can help you get there. And so, of course, they, you know, they pull out Hinch. It sounds like Hinch is Mr. Salesman for the Tigers. Scott obviously has preliminary conversations and then they pull out Fett, like, you know, in that same conversation or get him on the phone or whatever. And it's like, it really feels like it is this recruiting effort, kind of like, you know, relating it back to, to college sports where like there is like this entire effort from the people that matter, the voices that matter. And, you know, that's probably similar for a lot of clubs, but for the Tigers, it's a little bit different because we're coming out of such a, just a bad spot. And you got to go to these guys who are bigger names. I mean, we're talking about a pre-30s, just two years, three years removed from a really good season, arguably had another great season in 2021. He just had a couple bad starts at the end. And had a rocky 2023. But that doesn't mean that he's completely out of conversation. What did you think of this trade? Or what did you think of this signing specifically? And I know that you've been a Jack Flaherty fan for quite a long time because your wife is a big Cardinals fan. Yeah, I I can't remember whether that conversation was live or not, but we definitely had it. And I definitely remember both of us saying, like, kind of wishful thinking, but also, like, I mean, it could make sense. And it's it's kind of in the vein of Scott Harris and his acquisitions so far in his tenure, and it it would it would make sense. And to be honest, with how the pitching market has been so far, and even compared to the Kenta Maeda deal, the deal that he got is not awful. It's not. I would not say the Tigers are overpaying at this point. Obviously, we'll see what the performance brings and and all of that. But when you think about the the pitcher that you're getting, he's been a little bit 
of, of an injury-prone guy just a bit. He's crossed 150 innings pitched only twice in his career. That was in 2018 and 2019. Uh, that 2019 year, he placed fourth in Cy Young voting and actually got some MVP votes as well. Uh, but in his 2020... Sub-3 ERA. Sub-3 ERA. Sub-3 ERA, correct. Uh, 2021, he had a 3.22 ERA in 78 innings. Again, dealt with some injury issues that year. Uh, but last year, I think probably one of the more promising signs for him was the fact that he did make it to 144 innings while coming back from some offseason uh, injury concerns, which is really good. Ended up with a 5 ERA, which is not as good. Kind of fell off after getting traded from the Cardinals to the Orioles. Um, yeah, he ended up in the bullpen, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Orioles moved in the bullpen for the offseason or for the postseason. I think he was a if he made the postseason roster, it was very, it was on the edge. Like it was a could, limited, yeah, exactly. It was a limited role. Yeah. yeah. So, um, again, it's another one of these Michael Lorenzen, Matthew Boyd type signings where you sign a guy that you know has seen some success but is kind of struggling, and you hope to pay him to come and and to make him better and that's something that we know scott harris has detailed through his time here as tigers president is we're going to make detroit the place you go to improve yourself whether it's you know trying to stay in the league and to prolong your career whether you're trying to make it at the beginning of your career or you're trying to extend your your peak it's going to be Detroit. And this is another guy that the Tigers can use to prove that and to make sure that everybody understands that if you go to Detroit, you will be a better player and you'll be a part of something good. Um, I like the deal quite a bit. I like the pitcher. I like the opportunity he's going to have with Chris Fetter. And I like the number that we gave him. I don't think it's out of the question when you put it into context of what the other pitchers are getting on the free agent market right now, the guys that we signed last year, the numbers that they got, and guys like Kenta Maeda, I think both of them, both Kenta Maeda and Jack Flaherty, getting an AAV of $15 million is is right in line with, with what I would have paid them. So I love it. I think it's a great deal, and Tigers fans should be super pumped about it. I'm glad you brought it up too with the, um, you know, obviously coming here and, and making the, the pitcher and the player better. I, I just hope it's we're in a situation at the trade deadline where we don't have to flip him. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I hope we're in a situation where we actually have to keep him and he's pitching valuable innings and we don't just have to flip assets to, to gain something. That's obviously part of the play and we're, you know, still kind of feeling that out. And any one-year deal, whether you're a rebuilding team or, or – actually, you know, like a competitive team, those are, those are contracts that could potentially be quickly, um, off your books. If you're, if you're shrewd at at the trade deadline and can make a deal. But I, I, I love the, the idea of investing in someone. I think there's huge upside. Um, the, the advanced stats are not kind to, to Jack Flaherty. And I think a lot of that is because, one of you know the teams he's played on, um, specifically with the Cardinals, like he, there was always some pretty solid um, defense behind him, and and so you know if you take that away or whatever it may be, you know he might not be as been as great or as competitive. I think his strikeout to walk numbers 
while were okay last year, they don't blow anyone away. I think in his best form, in his best self, he's striking out way more batters than than he did last year. Um, and and I think the biggest win for him would just be to stay healthy. I think I think that would be something that that could really go a long way for for him and. It doesn't take much uh, nowadays in, in the free agent market to to get a multi year deal and to to really kind of stamp yourself out as as someone who can pitch meaningful innings because when you really look at it, especially in in, in to this this free agent market, it's not a great class to to compare it to. But you look at someone like you know Jordan Montgomery, right, who's still a free agent right now as we're as we're talking, and. Four or five years ago, I would have never put Jordan Montgomery in the situation that he's in right now, right? Where, like, he's probably number two starting pitcher available behind Blake Snell. And a lot of that has to do with his time in the Rangers. It didn't take much time, and obviously he pitched meaningful innings with the Cardinals, and obviously all the way back to the Yankees. Like, all that stuff's true, but as soon as you put your name on the map, and you you do things, and you kind of start turning heads, it, it really just opens up your possibilities. And that's really what Flaherty is after here. He wants... He, he thinks that this team can actually be competitive, and he, he's a, I hope he actually believes that because he said it a couple different times. I hope he believes it because, it, this again, the Guardians are doing nothing. The White Sox are doing next to nothing. The, honestly, the team I'm most scared of is the Royals. I Just whatever. Like I, mean, I, am, I am petrified of, of all the spending that they're doing, and they might be done now, but for some reason that just is a scary sight. Um, and so really when you look at what this division is as a whole – there is no reason to say that that this this is a team that that can't be providing you meaningful innings deep into September. Whether it pans out or not, who knows? Um, one thing I, I thought was interesting, um, specifically in his interview on foul territory, um, he he named a couple of the other suitors that were interested in him, and it was the Royals and the White Sox. And interest is is tough to gauge nowadays, but he at least pointed them out so they at least approached him and, and were prominent enough to to say something so the fact that he kind of picked us and and you know whatever like says that you know there there is there's definitely some more name recognition there and at least like there's there's some some positive direction um which is something that we haven't we haven't really had the the um luxury of the last few years of, of a place that we want that you know players want to come to um I, I and and I, I you know I go back to it too. It just the fact that he's under thirty, I think is just I think that's a win. Anytime mm-hmm. you can sign someone who is still not at that like maybe he's not even at the peak of his career yet, you know, and and he wants it just as much as you know we want him to be good, and that that creates a good equation for things. Um, Scott wasn't done though. Scott wasn't done though. He decided, okay, we've got a rotation. We've we've set that up. We probably have a lot of pitchers. Will I make a trade? Eh, probably not. Who knows? I'd like you to, Scott, but eh, maybe not. Probably not. The bullpen still needed some addressing. Obviously, we had the breaking news last time that Chafin was a left-handed addition. We love that. Big country is back. But it felt like there was just one, like maybe one more thing that could be done. And Scott says it best. You can never have too much pitching. But this one? And it's not being talked about enough, Josh. It's this signing is not being talked about enough. But Shelby Miller is a Detroit Tiger. One year, three million dollars with a club option for 2025 at four and a quarter million. 
you look at these dudes stat this dude's stats with the Dodgers last year, you would be like, Oh, they did not miss Kenley Jansen, did they? They really didn't. And he mm-hmm. I, he picked up his first career save and whatever. Like he didn't really come in in all of the most meaningful innings. But I mean, we're talking about someone that was willing to revamp the repertoire. Everyone's kind of talking about right now how he has this Houdini fastball, and for all the different reasons that you can go over, I think it has a lot to do with his his one the his delivery and the way he he uh delivers the pitch so far out in front of him kind of like a matt manning kind of uh arm angle and and deliver release point um but then too sure something going crazy with the spin rate who knows whatever but this splitter dude this splitter the tigers are really doubling down on the splitter i dude i I was so scared that they, and I don't know, we haven't seen Casey throw a splitter in forever, but I was so worried they were going to tell Casey to stop throwing the splitter. And just because they're signing pitchers with splitters doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to tell Casey to keep throwing the splitter. But you sign Kenta Maeda, devastating splitter. You sign Shelby Miller. Apparently he has a devastating splitter that he developed last year. It's just kind of nice that they're not scared of this pitch. These players, they're kind of injury prone. It's not a great pitch on your elbow, but this like it's just such a devastating pitch to the the rest of the MLB that I'm glad they're willing to to push it because I, apparently Shelby is has really found his mark. Um, pulling up some stats here, he last year finished. Yeah, again with the Dodgers, 171 ERA. Um, his let's see what his FIP was. Um, yeah, see, and, and FIP's hard with, with bullpen pieces, but 3.68, so there's definitely some some luck in there involved. Uh, his ERA plus, and that, oh, that was something I want to bring up with Flaherty, too. I forgot to mention it. He's had two seasons with an ERA plus above 100, Flaherty. So that's that was also his advanced metrics. Little little rough, but whatever. Same thing with Shelby here. Obviously, Shelby has had uh, interesting career, to say the least. I think the most... Uh, would you say the most we saw him in the news was the Braves trade? I think that was probably when he was at his 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 craziest with the Diamondbacks and the Braves and the and the Dansby Swanson. Would you agree with that? He had two years in St. Louis where he was like came out okay. of nowhere mm, okay. and and was very good for them. I think he was a part of that. Was it twenty fourteen team? One yeah, of those he Cardinals was on the Cardinals. Teams, yep, no, you're right. I'm looking at it right now. One one of those yeah, Cardinals uh, teams that went far in sub the playoffs. Sub four ERA, yeah, sub four ERA and just under 200 innings pitched, 183 innings pitched. So you're you're right there. Well, I think um, his one of the biggest things for him was he he had a very very good uh, postseason. One of these years, yeah, 20, 2014, he had a good couple series. Where he made a name for himself for the most part, and I think that's why he was so involved in that uh, Braves trade. I think that's the the Braves thought they saw something in in some of those performances. But yeah, this I mean, ever since then, ever since that trade, and I know he pitched for the Diamondbacks for a little bit too, but he kind of fell off the face of the planet. And I think part of that is also due to the fact that he opted out in 2020. It really feels like the guys that decided not to play in 2020 kind of got forgotten about and left behind Great point mm-hmm. for better or for worse wh- how, whatever however you feel about any of that but it 
I mean, when's the last time you thought about David Price? Unfortunately, uh, not in a while. Uh, I remember he was with the Dodgers and, you know, he, he kind of fizzled out for sure. Um, the other cool thing about Shelby is he had a 255, 255 ERA plus, And you're like, okay, he's a bullpen piece, whatever. How many innings did he throw? Dude threw 42 innings for the Dodgers. <laughs> That's significant. Decent sample size anytime for you're, a reliever. Exactly. Any, anytime you're hovering on that 50 innings pitched, you're you're doing things and you're going out there and you're you're actually pitching meaningful innings. So I, I think this is incredibly shrewd. I think the price is amazing. I'm willing to say this is probably the most underrated signing, not even just of our transaction log, but one of the one of the most underrated signings of the entire year. Um I, I think not enough people were looking at him. And same kind of mentality, right? He wanted to come here. I think his wife, he mentioned, is from the area. So so same kind of thing. It just made a lot of sense. But he just, he he encapsulates so much of the Detroit spirit. Like, he's just a dog. He's just going to go out. He's going to do his thing. He's going to be built bulldog. And it doesn't matter where you throw him. Now, interesting question for you. How many games do we think we see him at the end of? I have, a, I have this idea that he is going to save more games than Alex Lang this game, or this year. And I think it's going to be like upwards of 20 saves. He will be our closer at some point in 2024. Do you think I'm crazy? Yes. Why? With Alex Lang with, is not that no, great. Okay. <laughs> Alex Lang He's got has the mentality. He's got the mentality. I wish he could throw strikes. Improvements. The mm, last mm, two mm. years, he went from mm. a guy we didn't know a whole lot about to a guy we were really excited about to our full-time closer who struggled through the middle to end part of last year and started to kind of figure it out again towards the end of the year. And if you don't have him, you have um man, I am struggling right now. Foley Foley, sorry, you have uh, you have Jason Foley as an option as well. Do I think that he gets saves? Yeah, I do. He uh, Shelby Miller, that is. He has one save, and it came last year in his career. So mm-hmm. pretty untested in that role. But you have as A.G. Hinch, you know, goes. He has a really nice set of options right now. At the back of his bullpen. He has, like I said, Lang Foley. He's got Miller. He's got Chafin now. And I, I think any one of those guys could be closing games in 2024. So by me saying Lang is going to have more saves than Miller, I'm not saying necessarily that Lang will be the full-time closer all year. I'm saying there's going to be a lot of guys vying for that option should Lang stumble. If that makes any sense. Yeah, Lane, no, Lane definitely doesn't have it wrapped up. And I think even going into spring, he doesn't have it wrapped up. Not only just because Hinch will always play that game. Oh, I don't I don't name a closer. Yada, yada. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay, I'm tired of it. But in, in especially a year like this where you're right, he has so many options and there's a lot of tantalizing um, uh, options out there specifically with, with Lang, Foley, and, and now Miller. Um, and you could even, like, I you know if you, if you feel like there's a lot of lefty uh, matchups chafing in there too. Um, oh, these Holton these guys, 
well, and see, like I, I like see, like kind of like Tyler in that in that longer, you know, longer relief option, just because who knows what the heck happens in, in the fifth, sixth inning in these in these games sometimes. But I mean, and also you have to remember too, like if they don't employ the six man rotation, which they're not going to, like someone's going to get cut or whatever. Like one of these, one of these starters is going to have to go to the bullpen too. So that moves everyone down. So like it, it's, it's a whole thing, but whatever I digress. Shelby Miller at some point will be closing games on a regular basis. Whether or not he's ever designated the, the closer role is tough because Hinch just never really likes to tip his hand like that. But I think at some point he will be the go-to guy. Um, and, and you know, that that's a good place to be because that means he's he's doing well and he, he has done well in whatever situation we throw him out on. I do like the option that he can pitch multiple innings. I think Scott loves that. He loves the versatility, loves the um, kind of uh, switchblade kind of, you know, whatever the, 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 the knife. What's the knife thing I'm trying Swiss to think Army of? The knife. Pot, like the Swiss Army knife. Thank you. You were there. See? You were going to get there. I, eh, I, re- I was not. I honestly was not going to get there. <laughs> um, the Swiss Army knife kind of mentality where you can put them in different roles and, and he'll thrive. Um, great signing. Love what we're doing with the bullpen. I think that shores up a lot of the needs that we had. I still, again, still would love one more bat. There was a... M- Flipping article, Josh, that came out about J.D. Martinez. You can read it on M Live. I think it was Evan Woodbury who wrote it. Did Thank you, you for indulging me. Did you read what? the article? Yes, I read the article. It's pros and cons. It's not going to happen. Okay, I get it. But the fact that here's the thing. I just wanted you to acknowledge that it was like even a conversation. Because when I brought it up, you were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm just like, think about it for a second. You know, I get it. I would it doesn't love leave to a lot of versatility happen. for him. I would love to see it happen. I want that to be very, very clear. I love JD. And even when he's on the Red Sox, even when he was on the Dodgers, two teams that I'm not particularly fond of, it was cool to see him do well when he was there. And it was cool to see him win a ring. I loved him when the Tigers picked him up originally and that whole story. But from what AJ and what Scott have said, it just doesn't make sense for the plan they have going. That's all I have to say. Yeah, no, and, and I, I, I get that. I do. I just, I would love just a little bit more assurance because there's no guarantee that Torkelson is going to go out and have the second half that he had for the entirety of 2024. There's no guarantee Green's going to stay healthy. Like, it's just like we don't, he's not had a healthy season yet. He has so many fluke injuries. We really need to see more of Parker Meadows to get a bigger sample size of what the heck that is. And then you have someone like Kerry Carpenter, who we hope is an X factor that everyone kind of forgets about, and he just goes out and rakes. But same kind of thing as Torque. We're not sure he's going to go out and do that. And then you have so many depth question marks. Um, And, yeah, you're also entering the year with, again, a tandem of McKinstry and Ibanez, which I like that tandem a little bit better than I did, you know, 2023. I think they proved themselves a little bit more, but I... Again, just one more right-handed bat would would go a long way. Here's the thing, Case. First thing, I really like these two signings for another reason. These two pitchers that we signed. I'm going to go back just for a quick second. I like them because we do now have this almost surplus of pitching. It covers you in the event that, you know, Mize can't pitch a ton of innings and needs to be worked in slowly and all of that you protect yourself against you know heaven forbid some kind of scuba injury or you know one of the Olsen 
Gibson Long kids can't do it. It protects you against injuries and stuff like that, obviously. But if we do get to the trade deadline and we're in the hunt, but we have this surplus of pitching and you have another hole you need filled somewhere else, it does give you that option of a very tradable contract, a very team-friendly contract that you can use to get something that you need to plug a hole somewhere else. I think that's something a lot of people aren't taking into consideration with these contracts, with these guys, and with the surplus we have at pitching. So that's the first thing. Second thing, when it comes to hitting, if you look at the free agents that are still on the market here in the second week of January, we have pitchers and catchers reporting next month which is <laughs> awesome. Boris is about. sitting. Boris Boris is sitting on his chips, let me tell you. There are a lot of position players. Now, granted, the position player class has not been spectacular outside of the $700 million man. But you have to think about some of these guys that are going to fall between the cracks between now and February, March. I mean, that's how we ended up with Chafin in the first place two years ago is Mm -hmm. it was spring training and he needed some more design. So the Tigers picked him up on a really friendly deal. I think that's what Harris is waiting for. I do think we end up getting one more bat. I mean, bolstering this offense with Mark Canna is is probably not going to end up being the full story. But whether it's, you know, late... A lot of of predictions, yeah. A lot of predictions have him as like our most productive bat for next year which i uh, i mean it very well could be he's just a bat to ball kind of player that's just that might be what plays for him but that's a bad sign for several others (laughs) well well i yeah i hear you i mean specifically um what is it is that what i always always mix i always combine the two it's zips and then what's the espers is that the other one steamer that's yeah um steamer has like for pretty much time immemorial since this this uh this rebuild has said hey no one's gonna be even like at a league average hitter and i guess like this year we have like five or six like above league average hitters mm-hmm. and so like that's like things are trending in the right direction right like i think i think things are going in in the right area i just you're banking on a lot of what ifs and and not to say that these guys can't do it, not to say they can't wow us again or, or whatever it may be, but I just just in case. And yeah, JD Martinez is probably going to command a hefty bill, and I don't even know if I'm in love with paying whatever that number is. Probably close to twenty million dollars. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not in love with anyone for twenty million dollars um, at this point in the in the free agent class. Even like yeah, like I don't want them to make this splash, but like a Matt Chapman, like that would be exciting and that would get headlines, but I, I don't want that at this point. I've, I've fallen out of love with that idea. Um, a lot, mostly because of how, how bad he ended last year. And if we're really looking at someone for, uh, an offensive minded approach, yes, he had an amazing April, but everything else was awful. And so it's just, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you're, if you're trying to stay on the offense, great defender, one of the best third basemen in this generation defensively. Um, but if you're going to sign someone like that to a long-term contract, you, you want to sure up both sides of the ball. And, and that, that doesn't seem to be Matt Chapman for a long-term kind of play. And so if you truly are like, all right, Colt Keith, Justin Henry Malloy, let's see what you can do. That's exciting for us. Right, that that's cool for us, but there's still the potential of like letting a lot of young guys kind of uh, sink or swim your entire roster. So, yeah. 
I, I, I wonder who it would be out of the free agent market. Like, are we, are we talking like a Tommy Pham? You know, like that doesn't get me too excited, even though he's, he's kind of been the glue for a lot of teams. That's, that's cool. But like, that doesn't get me going too much. Tommy um, Pham is a glue guy is a wild statement. If you would have told well, me that like three years ago. Well, it's even wilder when you talk about the whole fantasy football thing that he had. <laughs> well, yeah, that's mostly what I was referring to, but like, <laughs> right, exactly. He's always seemed like yeah. kind of a weird guy, but I mean, here I we think are. he fits in where he fits in, and he and he doesn't fit in where he doesn't fit in. I think that's just kind of how it goes. But yeah, like I mean, you look at the rest of the free agent class, and again, outside the probably the Boris four, you know, you're kind of like, eh, all right, this is fine. I I would like Scott to get creative with a trade. I just I would like to do it, and I know like it at this point, like I've. Again, I'm also falling out of love with the India idea. I, I think he's at this point just it's 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 been beaten, uh, you know, down to to the point of like the Reds probably aren't going to trade him. The fan base would get really mad, and really the Reds are the only ones that really value him as much as he probably isn't worth. And so it's like you're not going to get the package you want. So why, if you're the Reds, just keep him? You know. Um, yeah, man. And I, so I talked with my uncle, I know. who's a who's a Reds fan like a big Reds fan. Uh, and he, he, I was, I was mentioning that, you know, the whole India thing. And he was like, Oh, I don't think the Reds are, are willing to give up on him. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> all right. I don't, I mean, Dude, I'm telling you Reds fans love India. And I, I don't even think he's that like uh, as much as they, they think he is. Right. But I mean, here's the thing when you look at it like them, like before Ali De La Cruz, he was kind of the red that put them back on the map. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, winning rookie of the year and kind of making this team something again. I, I really think they hold him in, in quite a quite a high regard, even though you look at all the numbers, you kind of dive deep into the metrics. There's nothing really special there. And he's old. At this point, he's, he's, he's almost 30 or he's over 30. He's right around there. And so it's like, eh, it's, eh. I'm not going to trade Matt Manning for that. I want... I want India plus if mm-hmm. we're going to trade Matt Manning for that. And that's like, you know, that's just, it's not really where we're at. Um, although Matt Manning, if you get hurt again this year, I'm, I'm, I'm talking straight to you, Matt Manning. If you get hurt again this year and you again ruin your trade stock right around the deadline when it would make perfect sense, oh, Matt Manning. He, Matt his Manning. response I, would be something to the effect of, okay, Casey, you try to dodge a Giancarlo Stanton line drive to your feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he might have a point. Not once, but twice. <laughs> and I know it wasn't Stanton both times, but my gosh, what a weird poor kid. What a weird thing. I know. Poor kid. We we love you, Matt. We we hope you stay a tiger. But if if it, that's a business, you know, if you if you have to get traded, you have to get traded. But my gosh, what a random injury to have happen twice. Yeah. You mentioned it. We're about a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. That like we can just sit on that for a second. Every year we come around to this point, I'm like, wow, all right, here we go. This is when things start. I I think there's still a lot of things to be undecided in, in the free agent kind of kind of market, and I think there's a couple big trades that still have to happen, but here we go. We're, we're ready to go. Let's start baseball. And MLB, uh, about a month ago at this point, announced a pretty cool initiative that I'm, that I'm looking forward to, uh, the MLB Spring Breakout. 2024. Ooh, that's got a cool name. That's got a pretty cool name. What's the spring breakout, you may ask? Well, they've realized, and this is good for once, that the young flock of talent that is in every organization, at this point, like a very integral part of baseball, because so many teams 
either sink for the draft and they just they you know play terrible major league games so they can get a great farm system or you know all the trades are for prospects whatever it may be like these prospects are talked about quite a bit and finally MLB is kind of like okay well we'll 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 do it you know we do the MILB.TV you know we if you if you do MLB TV you get the minor leagues as well so that's kind of cool that's nice watch those games every once in a while but they're really still just for the diehard fans what if we put them on TV in like prime time and what if it's during spring training and it's a meaningful game? Now that's a cool idea. MLB. See, you're now you're now you're doing things. So yes, the spring breakout is top prospects going up against top prospects and each team plays another team's crop of prospects and who knows what the format is? Who knows if it's a full nine-inning game? I'm assuming it will be. But it's just another spring training game, but it's, like, kind of hyped up. And I don't know how they're going to decide what prospects go, which ones they are, but the Tigers play the Phillies organization March 16th at 1 p.m. I will be watching. That much I will tell you. But who do you think we're going to see on the Tigers' side? Who, who, who is the number one couple or a couple people that jump out of you like, we're going to see him? Uh, I think Colt Keith and Justin Henry Molloy so are pretty much a shoe in for that, being as close to Detroit as they are. Um, I think a Jackson Job appearance would be would be kind of interesting. Um, what if he starts? Yeah, I could see. Someone's got to start the game. Someone's got to start the game, and we've talked about Jackson Job for what three years now. It's time. This is this is the time. We can see it, Jackson Job. Start the game. I Do just it. hope that you're ready. Are you buckled in for this? Are you ready for the How You Lee revenge game? Oh, wow. That's a pick. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of deep. I like that. Just, just saying. That, that's a good point. I like that. Do you think we see Jace? Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I probably should have yeah, lumped him in too. with the... Uh, uh, yeah. Malloy and Colt Keith crowd, but you know. Now now someone that's had a had a struggle these last couple of years, but your your boy, you love him, Wilmer Flores. Do we does he make an appearance out of the pen? He won't start the game, but does he do we see him? I mean, they're gonna have to fill innings pitching somehow and I mean Ty yeah. Madden's not gonna go seven, so probably. No. Do we see Max Clark? The number one overall Tigers prospect, by the way. So I kind of have two lines of thinking on that. Because on the one hand, how electric would that be if he showed up and like balled out and, and did Max Clark It would Max go Clark all things? over Instagram. <laughs> he, yeah. he would be posting on Instagram at that moment. <laughs> His, his social team would be all over it for sure. Um, that would be sick. But I think the one thing the Tigers probably are not wanting to happen is for a guy who did not get to West Michigan last year, show up in a top prospects game and struggle. I think that's that's probably what they're not looking for. So I don't know where he's at in his development from this offseason. I don't know where they plan on starting him 
And the other thing is, I don't know, like, how does, like, an invite to spring training affect this game at all? I'm assuming it doesn't affect the players who Dude, and that play. They right? have, s- exactly. They, this is so MLB, where it's like, we're just going to announce something and then figure out all the details later. Mm-hmm. Like, they have so many semantics and logistics to figure out. Like, who's going to manage the game? How do you manage the game once you're the, you know, dis- once you're the manager of the game? Like, is this, like, an all-star game? Do they pitch a few innings? Like, oh, and then on top of that... <laughs> What in the name uh, channels are these going to be on? Where are these going to be disseminated? Uh, like, I mean, there's there's plenty there's plenty of question marks, and and really we've only, we've had the one blog post about it, and that's that's been it. Um, I think they'll figure all those things out, and so some of that news will start trickling out. But I just I like that they're doing this, right? I like that they're highlighting the names. I like that there's even a possibility that Max Clark could could make it into the game. I'd be super stoked for that. But even outside of Max Clark, like you look at some of the other names we mentioned, I, I, Colt Keith is like, not only obviously is he is he trying to win a spot in spring training, but being able to have like the entirety of the spotlight and like, hey, this is this is where you this is where you go and this is where you're gonna be singled out. I think will be a really cool moment, and he'll he'll have a moment where it's this is this is the guy we're waiting for. Um, the one thing of course that I'm, I'm terrified of is, is these players getting hurt, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, it, that that's spring training though. Right. I mean like that, right. It happens be, where it's like, you know, they, they would be doing some sort of something during this time anyway, whether it's playing a simulated game right. or uh, inner prospect game, like just in general, I, I, I don't know that this right. is going to change much of their routine anyway, besides it being kind of hyped up more. Yeah, and 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 as I mentioned, we're going up against the Phillies, who do have a, a pretty solid group of of players to to choose from for for their roster. I mean, we're talking obviously their number one's Andrew Painter, dude's a stud. Um, Justin six, Crawford, seven, I've heard heard a lot about Justin Crawford. Um, I think Carlos De La Cruz. I think I've heard the name a couple different times. You, you hear all these names. I don't think they're. I don't think their guys are quite as. And you even see the ratings. Like their 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 prospects are aren't as highly rated as ours, which is kind of crazy to say. But the, the chances of us winning this, I would hope, are are kind of high. But it's. I mean, it's it's anyone. Like it, it's just who shows up, you know. But the fact that they're willing to do this, the fact that MLB kind of sees the the need for this and to shake things up a little bit is is really really cool I, I think that this is a cool opportunity and i hope it makes it past its inaugural season i hope this is an ongoing thing and they have some fun with it as it goes on because you know yes we're whatever a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting but then you got the drag of spring training which gets even more annoying like yeah we're watching live baseball sometimes it's like all right um this is spring training game number 28 wow we're really we're doing this, aren't we? And it's just like, how has this survived? I I still am so for just shortening spring training, and you don't necessarily have to make the season longer. I don't really that that's a fight that I don't I don't really care about at this point. But you just why are there so many spring training games? I don't know. By the way, have you seen what the Dodgers are doing? I don't know if we I don't know if we talked about this. Like, have you looked at their spring schedule? I know they play in Korea, right? Which right. They start the season in told- Korea. You told me about, but that's for the regular season, but that's before the end of spring training? <laughs> oh, dude, dude. Well, okay, so so they report way early. 
I don't even I don't know the exact day that they're reporting, but their first spring training game. Let's let's just see for for the record books here. Um, they start spring. Let us see here. Sorry, I gotta find my my Dodgers are are all the way down in my in my list here. You know, I'm just <laughs> kidding. They're they're actually quite high in the in the list, but they're. Their schedule, 2024 schedule. Yeah, so their their first spring training game, which I again I don't know if this really is affected because they have to play someone, but like and so their spring training is starting when someone else is the, the Padres is who they play. But their first spring training game is tw- the 22nd. So by my estimation, I think that means they're going to report like February 4th or 5th. <laughs> like I mean, like that's insane. Then then yes, like what you were alluding to. They play in Korea on on March 20th and 21. And these are regular season games. They have the regular season coloring, okay? And again, I mean this is just I this is this is the information I'm given on this on this calendar. They then go back to the states and play three grayed out spring training games against the Angels and then play St. Louis to start technically the real regular season on March 28th. What is happening? Like, like what is there? Do they open so, at home? They are no. Well, one game is away. One game is home. That's how they're doing it for Korea. But then are you asking? No, no, no. I meant like in the United States. Yes, they are starting at home. Okay. Well, it's, if they're playing the Angels in those like in between games, like that's not that big of a deal because they're like they don't have to. It's, the travel isn't too crazy. And then they stay at home for their first series. Now, if they had to go back to Arizona to play an Arizona spring training team and then fly out somewhere else to start the year, now that would be nuts that I would almost yeah, do that tra- for them. The travel thing is weird. It's just it's just so strange that they're going to start the season and then they're going to like back. Tra- I wonder who's going to play in those three games. Like, Is it going to be meaningful players or are they just going to like, yeah, whatever. This is well, they'd we're have kind to of past play, this at this point. Um. What's his face in well, Otani, right? Well, no, yes, in Korea, yes, obviously regular players. Oh, that. I'm saying for between. those three, the exactly the three spring training games. Yeah, of course, Yamamoto is is probably starting game one. I mean, I think I think that's that's fair to say. I think he, he is like the only answer. Um, and yes, of course, like the regular roster will be there. But then when you go back to LA, are you playing? everyone you're playing them sometimes like whatever I don't know. it creates a lot of weird things but they, you know MLB knows what they're doing I guess and that it's a big draw I mean that that, that stadium's gonna be I, I would, would imagine it's already like sold out I would imagine those games are, are already sold out so that that will be an interesting thing but to your point spring training right around the corner we are still in this crazy situation where MLB can just hoist rules out of nowhere and just throw the whole thing <laughs> out of whack. And so again, about a month ago, just out of nowhere, blog post, hey, some updated rules. And the players union is not very happy, to say the least. Um there's mostly small things and and they're they're, you know, adjustments to 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 quicken up the game are, are, are there as well. But for the most part, they, they kept tame in, in, in this run. Um, they're widening the runner's lane, which I think is way overdue. This, this whole first, this between home and first 
conversation has been way too long. So it's going from 18 inches to 24 inches. Thank God. Glad that's happening. I think they're also widening and the lane third base. It's third it's. Base. I believe it's in between all of the bases, but more specifically, home to first is um, on the grass side in in fair territory. Right. right. So exactly so for, for yeah, people where, who where don't, all of the conversation is. Yeah. So, so for people who don't really understand, there's been this huge beef, and AJ Hinch has been a huge objector to the old rule of the runner running from home to first technically has to run per the old rule in the dirt, which is in foul territory, which is not the, not a straight line from home plate to first. You kind of have to go out of your way to stay in the dirt. And if the runner, you know, somehow interfered on a throw, maybe from the catcher to first base there and, and they're not in their lane, which is in the dirt, they get called out. But MLB is changing right. that to widen it into the field of play, which is, again, I think safer for players and it makes way more mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to skip the second one I have listed here because we'll, we'll double back on that one. But then they're reducing mound visits from five to four. They had this whole thing of like most teams finish with at least one mound visit left or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I think it happened like 1% of the time where teams ran out of mound visits and it was not a big deal. So that that's not a big deal. This one's kind of weird. Pitchers who warm up must face a batter. Can you explain this, this, this to I me? Because I don't. I I really, <laughs> dude. I can't really wrap. My, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. Like I can't really wrap my head around it. But it sounds like if Alex Lang is warming up at any point, he has to go out in the game. And I've tried to dig into it, and I've tried to like really dive into like what do we really mean here? There's some pace of play thing going on too, where like the the time that the the uh pitcher takes to get out of the bullpen is now being like reduced so like they start the clock the two minute clock for for commercials all this like they used to start 215 now it's starting at two minutes so that's a whole thing so they have like less warm-up time but yeah i mean from what i can tell this rule like that they truly like if they're warming up they have to go out okay and that what is I, crazy to me what i had read was that it this this is a they're talking about pitchers who are warming up on the field, on the mound. If they go out onto the pitcher's mound, mm. they have to face. Okay, that home. might make sense. So it's not just in the bullpen. See, okay, then that's great. See, and I, I never could find that that information. Which so there there were instances where they were on like the actual field mound, and they were not like they were just not pitching. They were pulled before the they could. Right. Which, which. I mean, it makes more that sense right. than what you're saying, but what is the use yes. case that they're trying to avoid? Because if you're well, in think, the game, yeah. you have to face three batters or get to the end of the inning. I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, the matchup game. So, like, if a, if, a, if a pinch hitter was announced at a certain, you know, like, uh, you know, announced late or whatever then maybe they'd pull the pitcher beforehand or whatever and then that would create this whole thing this extra now, if he's already stuff yeah he's now already on the mound okay that makes sense that i like that better and, and like that that is a that is something that makes a lot more sense it's not that they're in the bullpen and they have to they have to warm up and then they have to go into the game that makes a lot more sense to me thank you for clearing that up um, and then like the an one that in the bullpen yeah. 
to like make sure that nobody's warming up. Oh my god, it would be terrible. It would be <laughs> would terrible. Be I was like, this rule is this is so stupid. This is terrible. But okay, that that makes a lot more sense. Uh, and then the one I skipped, which is the one that the union has the most problem with, I would imagine, is the time between pitches with runners on base. That's a key point. Is being reduced from. 20 seconds to 18 seconds. Of course, it's still going to be the 15 seconds. They're not reducing that at all with no runners on base. But now when you have runners on base, they are reducing that by two seconds. What are we doing? Why, when we have a good thing, Josh, are we just like, yeah, let's just keep it going. Let's just, yep, and let's just make a lot more people mad. Like, Manfred, Manfred, dude, you are so close to rehabilitating your image. And and I know and maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I just I feel it like not enough people talk about you. You still get booed. That's a normal that's a normal commissioner thing. I, I whatever. You are so close to rebuilding your legacy that people will look back at this and say, "Man, you know what? It wasn't that bad. We went through a lot of crap and a lot of heartache, but it could have been a lot worse." Manfred, you're so close. Why <laughs> why are 2 seconds so important? It's it's gonna reduce your game time by maybe minuscule minutes, maybe seconds at this point, and there's just like, who cares? Like, yeah, I get it. They they were all throwing pitches quite fast. Like, there's probably I think again this one went into the whole thing. There was an average five seconds left on the clock with runners on base. Yeah, that's great. All right, who cares? Like, why is why are we why are we looking for other areas of opportunity when we we did the thing? We did the thing. We quickened the pace we did reduce game time which i get was not the entire point but it, it's the it's a it's gonna happen and and we we brought excitement back to the game on a more regular basis we do not need to drive to the ends of the earth to make sure that we can cut off every single moment of every single game that is white noise am i crazy no and i think there's a couple really key points to this whole thing first of all I think most importantly, and something that somebody brought up that I found very interesting, we have one season of data when it comes to these new rules and how it has affected player health with pitchers, hitters, the whole nine yards. We have one season, and as far as I can remember, there was quite a few big, big to you know, bigger name players that had some sort of injury this year when it comes to pitching. And so it really just feels like we need to, you know, do the thing. Like you said, we we went out, we changed these rules and, you know, did what baseball has never done before, which is play off of a clock. And we accomplished the stated goal of this, the clock, of the pitch clock, to increase the pace of play and to reduce the total amount of time of the game. That that's that's what it was designed to do, and that's what it did, and it did it very very well. And nobody wants to talk about it. Is that after a while you really didn't notice too much of a difference, and people kind of liked it, which is awesome. Give it a second to breathe, like you were saying. Look at how it's going to affect your players down the road. These guys have less time for their arms to reset. They have less time you know, to rest between innings, you need to figure out how that affects pitchers. And in all of this age of medical marvels and data, it just, you have to give the 
the people a fair data set to work with. And yeah, it's not that many seconds. It's not that big of a deal. I don't know that it's going to really affect it too much. But then at that point, why do it at all? Like you were saying, it just it, right. at the end right. of the day, I don't know what this is accomplishing. There was some people that were saying towards the ends of the end of the year, the game time started to creep up a little bit from where it was at midseason. It started to get a little bit longer. Like that's how the end of the season should work. The games are going right. to mean more. Mm-hmm. You're going to want it, you know. But it was they weren't having many more violations. It wasn't like they were mm-hmm. violating the clock anymore, but they were using the time that was allotted to them more effectively. You set out the rules, let the players adjust to those rules, and start to play the game within those rules. What's wrong with that? I just I don't Nothing. I don't get it. Nothing. I I don't see it. And and I really do think we have an epidemic on our hand with with with, with the pitcher injuries specifically. Mm-hmm. I I don't think we've seen the the full lot of it and i think it's only going to get worse before it gets better and that's that's the scary thing i think the union is is very very the players union is very um right to have that to have that trepidation with all of this and you know partially it's on them because they agreed and this was part of the cba the new cba getting the lockout unlocked was saying hey mlb is really wanting this portion of of um, this control over the game to pretty much enlist rules and and um, execute rules that they see that are going to buy all their data and they'll back it up, whatever, that are actually going to help the game. They can do it whenever they want. And the union doesn't have a lot of power to do much. They can write a memo. They say that we disagree and it doesn't really affect much. And so partially that's on them, but we have baseball, and so it's like whatever. But it it is a pause for concern, um, and a cause for concern, where you know you 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 have to take a moment and step back and and breathe, like you said, and say, what are we really doing to these players? Like what like are are we do doing what's in their best interest? Because at the end of the day. Your product, it's a, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle, right? Your product is based on the players that are paid millions of dollars, that are made millions of dollars by the owners, but then the owners don't have teams if they don't have players. And, like, it's just, it's this, it's this cycle, and it's like, okay, but if there's no one on the field to play, what are you doing? And if there aren't the $700 million Otanis, baseball's off the map. And so you really want to make sure you keep those players healthy and look at Look at what happened to Otani, and not saying it's the pitch clock's fault because this is his well, uh, this is a controversial <laughs> statement. His elbow surgery, not not Tommy John, it's re- reconstructive surgery. It's it's just just reconstructive surgery, guys. It's not Tommy John. Um, his elbow surgery was not necessarily a, 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 a effect of just the pitch clock, but it couldn't have helped. It really couldn't have helped. And now we're just gonna thrust more time restrictions on them it just doesn't seem like a very uh data-minded approach when you're when you're really when when your biggest asset are the players and your biggest asset are these are these personalities that go out day in and day out and go have fun on a baseball field you're not keeping them within your best interests and that's a little scary so just it's a cautionary tale manfred just just back it off a little bit we don't we don't need all this I'd like to see no rule changes in 2025. 
I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think 2025 is probably the year where we first see the first inklings of of the of the automated strike system. But we'll see. We'll see. Josh, are the Dodgers bad for baseball? Ooh. Um, such a loaded question, and I'm and I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> A lot of people are saying that because of this deal that they gave Otani and because of then the ability they had to sign Yamamoto to his $300 million deal to go out and sign, uh, what's his face? Uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Teoscar Hernandez to a pretty... Pretty, pretty just a one-year deal, but it's deal. it's twenty million plus. I mean, it's it's another deal that's like substantial. Um, a lot of people are saying that you know the big teams are going to ruin baseball. I I don't typically go to this source for baseball takes very often because of the nature of the source, but I was uh, I had the Colin Cowherd show on in the on. The, in my truck a few days ago and he had a a little bit about the Dodgers and baseball and it's a different day it's a different age clearly but back in the early 2000s late 2000s the New York Yankees were spending quite a bit of money on on different free agents from guys like Alex Rodriguez to Mark Deshera to you know, you you name any of the guys they they were spending a lot of money to bring in free agents and that was the whole deal and that was probably where the modern day hatred of the Yankees comes from for a lot of people is just the fact that they bought their way into a lot of wins and you know it didn't turn into a ton of championships at that point but that's how they were building teams under George Steinbrenner and and the whole deal and it didn't kill baseball like I said there was many winners of World Series during that time that were not the New York Yankees that built teams different ways. You had teams like the Phillies that were involved. A lot of teams were very, very good in the 2000s and early 2010s where you don't have this dominance and other teams can still compete. It's just a different way of building a baseball team. Shohei Otani makes a lot of sense for the Los Angeles Dodgers for multiple different reasons, other than they were the highest bidder. They gave the same opportunity to several other teams to match the offer. And, you know, other teams decided not to. Shohei picked the Dodgers, whatever. Shohei Otani was tired of losing. I don't I don't begrudge Shohei Otani for taking this deal any more than I begrudge the Dodgers for figuring out a way to defer all of that money down the road. And maybe that's a different conversation that we need to have about the how good that might be for the sport. I don't know. But if he wants to do that, if Shohei wants to do that, sign that deal on a on a team friendly deal for the first part of the deal and give the Dodgers a chance to go out and you know, get more pieces and help him win more. It is what it is. Other teams are going to build their teams the same way regardless. The Rays aren't going to do anything different. They're not going to affect the Rays. And the Rays will probably come out this year and win 90-some games again, for all we know. Teams like, you know, this isn't going to hurt a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Las Vegas A's or whatever we're calling them. Or a team like the Tigers. 
this is not going to affect baseball in the wide way a lot of people are saying. It's just not how it works. There's different ways to build any championship sports team. There's different ways to go about it. The Dodgers went the way of the pocketbook. The Tigers are going about it the way of player development, major leagues and in the minors. And, you know, varying success maybe, but I think I think it's just it's cool to see the sport have the profile that it does now to where this is a big deal and, you know, biggest contract in North American sports history or whatever. Like it is putting baseball back on the map and it is giving baseball a name again. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I, and I, I would second that, that absolutely. I, I don't think they're bad for baseball. I think in, in fact, it, it, it can be argued just like you said, I think it's a good thing for baseball. Um, my perfect example is the Washington Nationals when they won the World Series, right? We're not talking about a team that like was really in, in anyone's predictions to really even go that far. They were a good team. I mean, we're talking about Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, uh, X Bryce Harper was not on the team, right? But they like they had still players, but it wasn't like they're gonna buy the world. And there there's plenty of other instances and examples of teams that, oh, hey, we're not the most well spending most high um, budget teams, i.e. Arizona Diamondbacks last year, but we're going to go and we're going to compete and we're going to do the best that we can. And, oh, looks, we ended up in the World Series. And the Dodgers may very well win 120 games this year. They might not. I mean, they might not even win 100 games. It's just not really how baseball works. But in the scheme of things, when you get down to it, there, like you said, are so many different ways to get to where you're trying to go. And... Is the paper is the on paper matchup of the Tigers versus the Dodgers very good? No, no, it's it's pretty bad actually. Does it mean that the Dodgers are going to win? No, not at all. The better team was the Dodgers last year against the Diamondbacks. They got swept. It just happens. It's it's how it works, and that's what's so beautiful about our game is like it really can be a David and Goliath story anywhere around, and. Like you said, bringing money into the game and bringing this this crazy facade that is the Dodgers, making a story of it, turning heads to it. We had all of Twitter, not just baseball Twitter, but all of Twitter roaring about Shohei Otani for not just a night. I mean, it was a week, two weeks long time. And then, oh yeah, the next week, two weeks ago, or you know, two weeks from, they signed the biggest pitcher and that even made the rounds. Like... No one knew outside of baseball Twitter who Yashinobu Yamamoto was, but now everyone does. And that's good. That's a good thing. And the dude's never thrown an MLB pitch, and he's one of the highest paid pitchers in all of MLB. And technically, by contract size, he is the highest paid, not AAV-wise, not annual average value-wise, but by sheer value of the contract, he is the highest paid pitcher. And he's never thrown a pitch in MLB. All that is really good. That means the sport is healthy. Are there small market teams? Of course. Are there teams that will, until they probably fix some of the either draft pick allotments or, you know, or compensation picks with, uh, you know, international draft signings and these, in these different kind of ways to, to fix the, the small versus big market, that will always be a thing. 
but it doesn't mean that we run and go and make a salary cap. I mean, and, and, you know, this is not my idea. This is not my data, but Ken Rosenthal, Jeff Passan, they've all been very, they've all put up very, very good articles this offseason about how we have the most winners of the different winners, most diversified portfolio of winners in the World Series in the last two decades. It's just how it works. Everywhere else that has a salary cap, every other sport, they all have the same teams vying for the same trophy every single year. And it's like, well, clearly that system doesn't work, so really what do you want? It just, it it's all comes down to the way the game is played, how many games there are, the sheer gauntlet that, that the, the game is. It's unlike any other sport. And the fact that we can turn heads to it and make it a, a, a site that people are interested in, there are a lot of things to be done. I, I wish I wish this was the year that like MLB got rid of blackouts because I think that would be huge for the Dodgers market and, and how many people get to see that team. It's not going to be that year, and we're getting closer to that, but this would be a great time to capitalize on things like that. And so if we're driving in the right direction, if the Dodgers are making crazy purchases like this, is it a super team? Of course. Could it be the 2023 Mets? Absolutely. So, who knows? Are they going to gel? Are they going to be good? Not sure. I do think it is an interesting conversation where I, I think now we, as the Tigers, are securely and definitely a small market team. I, I think that we are we are in that conversation of, like you mentioned, we are doing the player development thing. We are going a different direction. It's not as sexy. It works. I mean, it clearly does, and there's there's uh, merit to be had. But I think what intrigued Chris Hillich's ears when he was searching for a new president of baseball operations is less money, and that that's generally a lot of businessmen's. That's what they want to hear, and they they care about the bottom line. And I'm sure Scott pitched, "Hey, let's spend a little bit less money and let's see what we can do." We just kind of have to buy into that. And that's, that's okay. We were never going to, it's cool that we were interested in Yashinobu Yamamoto, but we were never going to pay $300 million for him. Now, Roki Sasaki, Chris, find your, find your $500 million. Cause we're going to need it. We're going to need it. Let me tell you, Josh, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm just to wrap up. I'm not sure how much they, I necessarily agree with this small market team assessment. Um, it, it's, it, that conversation starts to get into your definition of a market and it's not a quantifiable thing when it comes to any statistic or, or anything like that. Um, but the mindset of the team, the organization, and I think somewhat the fans lends itself to that, whether or not that's how it actually is in reality. Um, you look at the city of Detroit and the fan base of any Detroit area sports team, and I think you'll see the same thing, a very blue collar, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of regular people that follow the Detroit sports teams very, very blue collar bulldogs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that lends itself to that small market feel, whether or not, like I said, that's how it actually ends up being. But I think it's it's perfect for the kind of team that Scott Harris is building in Detroit, and I think that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, We're really gonna sneak up on some people. I'm telling you, really, really interesting sidebar comment. 
I looked. I was looking up the Tigers' uh, payroll for this year on uh, on Spot Track. I think is how you say it. Uh, the Tigers have eight million dollars in what they call uh, retained salaries, and that's leftover salaries from players who have been traded or released or buyouts from declined options. That eight million dollars. Who do who do you think we owe that money to? I thought it was Mickey. I had no idea we still owed him money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well, we had to buy out his option. Yeah, it was a whole thing. I had no. I idea mean, that that was. It's probably just going to be his salary for whatever kind of uh, works and and <laughs> and <laughs> things he does in the front office. You know, special assistant to the president of baseball operations. I mean, who, like, we're like, not going to. I'm actually, sure we'll see him in spring, but. Scott's like, we're not going to actually, like, employ you. We're just going to pay <laughs> you this this uh, yeah. opt-out opt money, and, and you can hang around if you want. Yeah, you just you hang out. And, and, and Miggy's like, can I hang out in the dugout? And Scott's like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> once a week. Once a week, Miggy. You can <laughs> you can hang out there. No, no. All right, all right. We'll settle. We'll settle. No, no. We, we love you, Miggy. It's going to be so – it's going to be so weird not seeing him – on like a regular basis suit up that's i mean that's like what 13 years of our lives 14 years of our lives just miguel cabrera was always there always doing it that it's crazy hinch is excited though hinch hinch is excited just because he has he has a dh spot that he can literally just i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if we see multiple dhs in in the games like 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 he he is he is always going to use that spot as like all right here we go this is where he can really play the matchup game and you know he he played it well last year so he wants to work that hard it worked you know hopefully the the results will will pay dividends but i don't know we'll have to see josh next time we meet by my math i think pitchers and catchers will either be reporting or have reported it's it's going to be it's going to be real close in that depending on when we release the next pod we will see uh, we will see if uh if our recording software will allow for that but maybe maybe the regular season will start (laughs) all right all right i don't need to knock on any more wood please (laughs) please tell the kids where they can find us uh, like Casey said earlier in the pod, we are available on all of your podcast platforms, the Old English D podcast. Uh, we will have all of the uh, all of our links to our socials in the comments below wherever you find this. Uh, it's at Old English D pod on those socials. We try to put out information about the podcast. It's not been great. Recently, we kind of take take it easy during the off season, but back regular season, we will keep that updated as as well as we can. We appreciate you guys listening and for being patient as we work through some of these technical difficulties. But regular season right around the corner, we are very excited. We are there. We are right on the doorstep. Josh, thank you so much for joining me, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, go Tigers. Mm-hmm.